Hello out there, and welcome to No Stupid Answers Episode 1, the show where a doctor of philosophy, a recovering archaeologist, a professional engineer, and a corporate millennial discuss and answer Reddit's most interesting questions. I'm Colton Wallace, joined by PhD Dr. Jessica Zarians. Hi, I'm Jessica. Queen of podcasting, Lori Asava. Hey, hey. And our resident linguist, Josh Lieto. Hey, guys. Hey, Josh. What's up? So, Josh, I got a question for you. Hit me with it. This one comes from Reddit user anxious underscore ad underscore 1238. And the question is, why do neighbors ignore each other and avoid building relationships? My neighbors all wave and say hello, but there is no feeling of camaraderie. Very different from when I was growing up. And I, I, I guess I'm curious, do you guys know your neighbors? Uh, y- uh, yeah, I know my neighbors. And do you, uh, is, are these apartment neighbors or house neighbors? Uh, they live in the people, they live, in, they live, the, the, the house li- uh, next to us lives within the people with the house and they don't have a, uh, very, uh, friendly attitude towards us, even though despite my many tries, I have attempted to befriend them. So what have you tried, Josh? I've tried saying, hello, how are you talking about the weather, uh, sports talking about, you know, uh, I, I once lent my neighbor a brush for his grill in order to clean his grill. Uh, and he was, so my, I guess my answer is I don't know why people, I want to be friends with neighbors. I don't know why people are kind of prickly and like, won't really contact you even after you've lent them your brush. So I guess, I, I don't know that I'm super good friends with my neighbors now. Like we, we own a house and it's in like a relatively compact neighborhood. Like there's houses on each side within like 20 feet. Um, and it kind of just goes that way down the whole block. So there's like a lot of people around, but I wouldn't say I know any of our neighbors very well. And like, I do kind of see what this guy's saying to where like, I say hi to my neighbors, but that's it. Like, it's like, they don't want to engage with me and I don't even know how I would start to engage with them. And I I guess if I think back to like college, like I remember in the dorms, like I knew all my neighbors and it was like, I met so many people that way, but it's, it's like now with, uh, you know, where I live now in a house in a neighborhood, it's like, I don't know anyone and I don't feel like they want to talk to me and maybe they're just busy. I guess sometimes when I'm like walking and I'm like walking my dog and I'm out there. It's like, I kind of hope people don't talk to me because I don't want to stop. So I guess I kind of understand that a little bit. I have an old boss who had a theory about this. He focuses uh-huh. on networks and just, he said that if you move into a house, the first two weeks you need to go and knock on the doors of your neighbors and introduce yourself and say, hi, I'm new to the neighborhood. Um, and just introduce yourself, say hi, whatever. Um, and then within a certain amount of time, you need to go and ask for like a cup of sugar or an egg or something like that, or bring them a <laughs> gift, um, and shows that you are both willing to give and take and be able to create kind of a community that way. And if you do that, then you start creating those networks that allow for community to build, which I don't think we do that a lot anymore. Yeah. I mean, I guess 
that seems like a really smart idea. Uh, have you ever done that anywhere you've moved? I have not. I am pretty cordial with my neighbors, but I'm not really, uh, I don't really like stop and like learn a lot about them. We'll wave, we'll be nice, but um, I have not done that. But that's what his uh, advice is. Anytime you move into a neighborhood, that's what you need to do. Um, and he says that he has done it multiple times and that has created such long lasting neighborhood uh, friendships. I also think it's interesting because I'm a pretty transient person. We live in our apartment. We've only been there for two years. We're, that's not where we're going to live forever. So I'm not sure if I always end up wanting to like really double down in those relationships when I know I'm going to be leaving again anyway. I think um, for me, so like Colton and I, you know, live in the same house together. But for me, I feel like I, I know the neighbors a little bit better. Like I'll have conversations outside, like in the springtime when I'm like watering flowers. Like I've, you know, like sat and talked with my neighbor for like, I don't know, 45 minutes just about random stuff. And like they've actually come over and like brought us like cookies and such like around the the holidays. So maybe they are trying, but maybe we're not trying super hard. Um, but um, I also think it might just be easy for women to do that in some circumstances because like I've never had like a deep conversation with um like uh like the, uh I guess my neighbor friend's husband, but like the wife like sh me and her like wave at each other and and like we'll have long conversations just like randomly about stuff so like i think maybe there's like this element like that it's easier for you know like women to connect that that way like more casually but i don't know um i know the neighbors on the other side of us like didn't want to talk to us at all so i think it's just like some people just want to mind their business and like other people like just maybe be are, are a little bit warmer but um I think that generally people today like it's just like more difficult to get to know each other and people are less like willing to be openly cordial in a lot of circumstances so I think that might have something to do with it but I also think it might be like a gender thing well something I'm thinking about now is like I I don't want to like offend my neighbors so I, I'm like nice to them and I, I I don't mind talking to them, but at, all, at some point I'm like kind of afraid to like, cause if you offend them, then you just have to live next to them for who knows how long. Like we've, you know, so True. I guess that's kind of one thing is like, I don't know much about them. And it's like, if I offend them, then I have to live next to this person that, uh, I, they think I'm a ter they think I'm terrible at that point. And then I just have to continue living next to them and drive by their house every day, you know, they're standing outside and we just stare at each other and don't wave. High, but, um, high risk. No, like, I, they always There's wave. high risk. No, I'm saying if, if I'm saying <laughs> if you offend them. No, I, our neighbors are all like very I nice. I think they're pretty chill. Yeah, yeah, no, and I've talked to them, but it's just like I agree. Like I don't really know them any deeper than that. We're not. We're also different ages. So like in a neighborhood like ours, like we're probably younger than like most of our neighbors that have families and everything, and like. Um, we're just like in different like life stages. So like we're not gonna like hang out. I guess it's like friends per se. So maybe there's like, you know, like a generational barrier in that way either. And then like Colton, like you were saying, like, you knew all your neighbors in college. Well, you're all like college yeah, students. You're right. so like you're all trying to like, right. you know, and that's typical, like to know all your people in college live next to you. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I think it also, like, Um, some people you click with and some people you don't. Like, Josh and I do live together, and although he didn't necessarily click with the person next to us, right next to our apartment, uh, the people across the street, he, he chats with them, and they have a dog, he keeps up with them, he's outside a lot more than me. Um, I tend to be inside working most of the day. And so I don't really get to get out and about when people are kind of out and about as well. Um, and so some people you just like have conversations with and are more willing to kind of lean in. Like think Jessica, you had mentioned that. And like others just like, are like, this is my house. I want to be by myself. Like I want to do the things that I want to do. Um, and I don't really feel like this is the connection we need to have right now. Also, what if you're, also, what if your neighbors are just, like, weird? Like, I'm not trying to be, like, best friends with, like, the weird people. And, like, by, like, I mean, that sounds a little mean. I, I think that's part like, of the fear, though, is you don't know if they're weird. And then if they are and you've, like, made a connection with them, like, what do you do? Because you're like, right what, there yeah. all the time. Yeah, like, what if you get, like, bad vibes, you know? Yeah, serial killers. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Um. I, I, do you think that this kind of go- – do you think that talking to strangers – is like a less common thing than it was 30 years ago. And do you think that plays into it? Like you just keep to yourself and there's more connectivity outside of like real world talking to people. So you have less need to talk to your neighbors because there's so much more connectivity in the world outside. of. I think it depends on what culture you're in, to be honest, like in the U S we are very individualistic Mm -hmm. and I think it's getting stronger and stronger as Mm -hmm. time goes on. Whereas in other countries, it's not as individualistic. It's much more community based. And I think if you add in just what happened over the last two years, the pandemic, I think that's made people more high alert of like interacting with people than we have ever felt before. And I think Mm -hmm. that individualism Mm -hmm. plus an element of fear that comes in with interacting with people you don't know, Mm -hmm. plus being socially isolated for so long. I think all of those things are going to lead us to a whole different way of interaction. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I agree with that point, but I do not agree that like it's just um I, I mean I think that like what is considered appropriate information to share and like what an interaction looks like with a stranger is gonna that that does vary like greatly around the world. And I think that um I just think that at the base of it a lot of people are uh I mean, I don't know, like they just don't they don't uh they don't want to if if you really get it's like a it's an investment to like really get to know somebody you know and like we're all mm-hmm. and so it's like you really have to enter with like very low stakes and just like that's why like you know trying to like i try to talk to people about like the weather and like pets and like you know these like very generic topics and after you've had so many interactions like like Lori's saying like with this guy who lives across the street like, yeah, it turns out that our neighbors, I think, are just like, they're just like these uh, people that are, I think, um, just kind of nervous, too. Like, they don't really know what the best way to, like, approach us is and probably don't really and don't want to. Um, but I think that, you know, like, just making a connection like I just I I, may, I, I just commented on that guy's dog one day and like that was just like enough to we just like. You know, we basically see each other mm-hmm. every day. Well, because like he sits on his porch and I go outside and like, and it's just like, you know, um, 
after so many interactions, like I still really don't know that guy, but like we're acquaintances. And I really feel like it is very true that like the technologies that we have now do make it a lot less necessary to have those kinds of interactions. Right. Like imagine just having to like go out in the street and like find somebody to get you a ride to somewhere, you know, versus like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And what go for it. it. Well, what you said about like, uh, the the time investment like i i i'm not gonna lie sometimes i feel like that i'm like well i it's like i don't want to dedicate the time to it. it's like i I don't have it it's like uh i don't have time to like meet this new person my neighbor and then kind of i i 100 get that like overload and i'm like oh this is too hard I, I got too much stuff to do you know so it's like yeah I I definitely see that and i i think it's a valid thing like you don't have the time and you're just like shit I got too much stuff to do. I don't have time to deal with this. On the other hand, um, there's people in our neighborhood. So we, me and Colton take walks with our dog, like frequently around the neighborhood. And there's this like one house that has like weird sculptures in their yard. And I just like think it's really cool. Like they have this one sculpture. It's like bronze legs, like sticking from like the waist up, like life size legs, like just sticking into the air, like and like the waist part and like below is like below the ground and it's just legs sticking in the up in the air. And then they've painted them like weird colors. Like now I think they're rainbows, but in the past they've been like collegiate colors anyways every time i walk by that house i'm like i want to know these people they look pretty cool yeah, jessica like, wants to be their friends hey, i want to be their uh, best friend people at the cool house if you're listening to the podcast please yeah. reach out yeah no we're... stupid answers podcast at gmail.com <laughs> yeah come borrow some sugar yes 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 colton lend stanley a cup of sugar <laughs> stanley <laughs> Anyways, and they have dogs. They just seem like pretty cool people. I'm just like, you know, like we say hi to them too, but like I don't know their names. And um, Dude, pe- yeah, I don't know. It'd be kind of weird if... <laughs> and, anyway. and maybe if that's the thing. Like I think it'd be weird if I like went up to them and I'm like, hey, we like live in the neighborhood. Let's be friends because you're, you know, like your legs are cool. Sounds like, an- <laughs> like who says that? I-, I mean, I would say that, but um, it might be off-putting. <laughs> Sounds like an experiment. Okay, let's try it. Maybe. I'll think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, thank you, Anxious Ad1238, for the question. Uh, Our next question comes in from Virtual Welder4525. Question Is it rude to ask for how much you earn if you work in the same field? So uh, I've been told that you can not discuss it. However, I think it's important to be transparent and mature about it when working somewhere where the wages are unreasonable. So their question is, is it rude to ask somebody how much they make for people that work in the same field as them? And uh, I, th- I think it's a really interesting question because I, th- I feel like there's changing attitudes towards, you know, salary discussion among employees. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about I'm that. I'm going to um, jump in because yeah. I have strong opinions about this. So I have worked in um, industries where like uh, in certain Um, retail environments where we are like forbidden to talk about like our hourly rates um, and you could get disciplined if you were caught like discussing your your wages and this is like specifically meant to to keep people from knowing that somebody else makes more than them and really like the only reason to do that is to pay people less in my personal opinion and so I have strong opinions about that and I think it's like absolute trash and you know, I think it's a bit taboo for 
people to just be super open about their salaries in general. And I agree with Colton, like the attitude is changing. But like, for me personally, I think that like people should talk about this and not be shy about it at all. It seems like a very personal thing. But like, I think it, the more you know about what other people make and like what type of um, benefits and what type of culture they work in, like knowing those things can empower you to either ask for more money, expect more pay, or like think about all the other benefits like that you could be asking for. And it just like seems like a worker centric um, uh, benefit in the end, like it's always going to benefit the employee to talk about it versus like the employer. And so I think that a lot of attitudes that like kind of trickle down from like employers of like not wanting their employees to talk about this type of thing is just really to like keep people from making more money and like the most simplified way I can state that. And it's just like, I'm not about that is like, really it makes me angry so i think everybody should talk about their salaries unabashedly um so i'm on like one extreme end of the spectrum and i'm also not afraid to be like hey i make this much money like it does not bother me at all but i don't think everybody is comfortable with that but i think it's to their detriment my personal opinion to be squeamish about that and so i hope that like as people like get more used to this and more comfortable with people talking about it that like this hesitation just like completely evaporates because i think everybody will be better off for it and i think that there's actually a country now i don't remember what country it is Is it, uh, the- it was the uk i believe oh, okay yeah they're trying to like make a rule where everybody's salaries are public information and there's some places in the u.s where that's like already a thing like yeah, i, I mean- think in academia like i can look up like my pi's like um well, salaries and everything but I, anyways so I, yeah. I think that's a uh, public universities yeah, 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 yeah so yeah. it's like public universities in public positions yeah so like if you work for a municipality yeah. or like tax commission then yeah yeah yeah, then those are public salaries i wish yeah i think that that like move is like is the right way to go like i think that that eliminates pay disparities between different groups of people and like really like empowers you know like working people to demand more fair wages and treatment i've always opinion. i think that there's two things at play here power and that is Mm -hmm. keeping things quiet gives power to the employer not the employee and so there's benefits for them Mm -hmm. to keep you hush hush about things to keep them quiet and the second thing is equity we will never reach a equitable world if we stay quiet about these things and i can tell you like from my own personal opinion and from my own personal experiences, I have been paid well under people that are less qualified than me. Um, and mm-hmm. I would have never known unless I had a boss that called mm-hmm. it out. And I think that there are so many pay disparities that are not being talked about because the power is in the hand of the employer rather than the employee. And mm-hmm. I think that yeah. women do not negotiate like significantly they do not um, negotiate as much as others same with uh, people in minority classes like there's just so many things that we should be talking about and we should be supporting other people to have those conversations 
because those are also things that were never taught. Like I have conversations mm -hmm. all the times with my friends about how to negotiate their pay, how to have conversations about benefits, how to have conversations when they're making those job choices. And those are things that were never taught. And so it's not a skill that we practiced often and it's not a skill that we're taught often. And so I think that the only way we'll get to an equi equitable world is if we all are doing it together. Um, and that starts with transparency. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. Yeah, I think, I think that it can be rude to ask how much somebody is making at the end of the day. I think that it's just going to depend on like the context of uh, the relationship. And like, that's very complex in terms of like employers and employees. And um, mm. so, yeah, I guess I could see situations like if you're not in like a similar position to the other person, I could see that coming off as super awkward, I guess. Um, I, I, as an example, like, so in all the places I've worked, there's always been an underground like discussion by the employees of salary and every place I've worked, we have always all discussed our salaries. And part of that was there was a very friendly culture between me and my coworkers in those places. Um, and I tried very hard to, uh, support that idea. Like I was very good friends with all my coworkers at all my previous employers. And we always ended up like over time becoming friends and then starting to discuss salaries eventually. And it was beneficial to all of I us. I do think though, we I, need I, to like, I, I see what you're saying. I think Josh. we need to switch it from putting it on the onus of the person and the individual to pushing it back, like to the company for, forcing mm -hmm. equitable play and so that they should be able to share transparent information where we don't have to it's automatically shared because right now if somebody can mm -hmm. negotiate and if they're way better at negotiating than you and even though that job has nothing to do with negotiation they'll get paid more and that's because they have no um they have no checks and balances sometimes around pay they don't really always say sure. like you're in this job, you should get paid X with this amount of like experience, blah, blah, blah. It's not like a, mm -hmm. um, like one plus one equals two. It's not an algorithm always, or it's more about persuasion at this point. I mean, specifically in the U S based on my experience, but like we should be pushing that back on the institutions to be forcing and challenging their own ways of doing things. And right now, it feels so weird because it's all about us as individuals having to do that. Mm -hmm. It should be on the companies to do that. Well, and also like when you're interviewing for jobs, like the process is so obscuring, like it's like a taboo topic, even during job interviews. A lot of times it feels like, um, and especially for like younger employees, like it's like, they, they really, I feel like it's kind of screwed over in that situation. Yeah. There's also some States that are doing things like in California, um, they have to, if you ask for a salary range when you are interviewing, they have to give you that information. Um, and I don't know exactly mm -hmm. the right law and like how, how it works, but there are things being passed that are forcing those conversations. I just think it's really slow. And I think that we, like companies are focusing on like social responsibility and like trying to make better companies and cultures and things like that. A lot of that stuff should come down to pay. Like, that's why we have jobs. 
And we mm -hmm. try to sugarcoat yeah. it a lot with other things, other benefits, other shiny objects. If we were to be much more transparent about some of these things like benefits and pay, I think that would be a much better kind of entry point into having open conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's an amazing answer, Lori. Um, Josh, did you have any? I think I'm good. Alrighty then. Well, thank you, Virtual Welder 4525. Our next question comes in from Oscar Rosales. How do you microwave leftover fries without them coming out soggy and flavorless? And I, I looked over this one on Reddit. And Reddit generally agrees microwaving is not the way for leftover French fries. But my question is, what leftovers are okay to microwave? For me personally, uh, most things I want to put in the oven. But, I mean... Do you guys oven your leftovers or are you microwaving them? I am way too lazy to my to oven my stuff. So, and Josh knows very well <laughs> I am not really the best leftover person. There is something about taking it from the fridge and warming it up and then eating it. I don't I don't mind eating the leftovers. It's the act of warming up the leftovers that I just <laughs> can't seem what? to get over so when i'm eating leftovers i force josh to warm them up for me uh i can't i can't see it before it's warm just because there's just something you know that when you open up the tupperware lid and there's like condensation on the top of the lid or something like that it just oh yeah is weird it. i don't know and i don't feel like you i was ever, always like, like you don't this. Ever, like... just more like as i get older i was just like no i don't want to deal with that I will eat things cold though. Cold pizza, yes, sign That's me up. I, like there yeah. are things that I will definitely eat yeah. leftovers without heating up as well. Yeah, I was going to ask that next actually, Lori. I was going to ask if you eat things cold cuz I definitely do. And Colton's always like, "Um, shouldn't you heat that up?" And I'm like, "Nah, it's totally fine. I'll like eat it all cold, whatever." Sometimes you just have to. You need an oven. Some people won't might use microwaves at all. Like some people believe that like microwaves are unhealthy. Like I don't know like exactly what the belief is. Um but some people refuse to use microwaves at all and only will heat things up on the stove or in the oven. Um so there's that. Um but yeah. I mean, I'm not saying microwave anything, but uh it's super convenient for some things. I'm a fan of microwaves. Great job, microwaves. A plus. Josh, you use the microwave quite a bit. Can't live without my hot pockets. <laughs> oh, you're microwaving your hot pockets? <laughs> I mean, isn't that the only way to wait? No, you oven wait, your hot pockets. Wait, are you pockets. supposed to oven them? I haven't eaten a hot pocket since hot I was pockets. 12. Okay, so hot pockets I, I come with those little, like, <laughs> they have those cases you put them in when we heat them up and it has something to do with like it increases the heat towards the center, but it never works. It's an engineering marvel. An engineering failure. <laughs> Josh, are you really eating Hot Pockets from the microwave? No, I, I mean, is, uh, I mean, is it, you know, it's more, it, it, I can't, I can't, you know. Oh my gosh. I, I, that's You can't confirm or deny. Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, you, you know. It's just like, yeah, you know, yeah. All right, I think the clear verdict for Oscar Roselis here is that you should oven it, Oscar. Unless, that's yeah. what I, I just, that, well, it's, no, I'm going to argue with this fries. because I am way too lazy to let the 
the oven preheat. Then you put something in. Oh, don't. It's like, yeah, why I don't I just cook a new meal? <laughs> Screw leftovers. Like, just make something new. No. You don't have to wait for it to preheat when you're heating stuff up. Just put it in at the beginning. Yeah. No. Like, it's your just, pizza will be nah. heated up by the time the oven preheats. No. I, okay. I just know well, you we'll, will never find me preheating right. and, and doing all the things that you're doing. <laughs> right, so and also, you're not going to catch Lauren Also, you oven. put leftovers in like plastic containers a lot of times. Can't just yeah. throw that into an oven. You have more dishes if you have to do that. No, oven. you put them in a Pyrex and then you That's can. A really oven good it. point. We have something called dish economy. So like, um, you know, like that if was you private. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like start to use too many dishes, like an extra like forks and knives and like things when you're like pr either preparing a meal or like heating something up i'll like be like whoa 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 put that dish away like poor dish economy you gotta like make sure you're like not <laughs> like making that. too much of a mess so i'm kind of i'm with Lori on this all right oscar so use an <laughs> oven or if you're lazy use a microwave everybody's lazy Ouch. colton welcome hey. to Look. humanity well, not all, all of us have time some of us like oven food because it's better okay okay all right so Hot we topic. all agree we all agree you know, I have a friend who heats up pizza in their cast iron. Have you ever heard of this? Oh, good. Yeah, I made a pizza in a cast iron before. No, not make it. Like, you have a slice of pizza in, in the, the fridge. Yeah. You put it in the cast iron, and instead of heating it in a microwave or a stove, you're doing it or in an oven, you're heating it on the stove. That's probably mm. too hard for you, though, right? Ouch! You, well, you, yeah, she you needs a pizza cold. right away. <laughs> she doesn't have time. I don't have time. I eat it cold. <laughs> One of life's like most wondrous things is eating cold pizza. Hey, you know where like, you can get a morning. pizza now? That's a Little Caesars hot and ready. You can get it right now. Hot and ready. Is this a commercial for Little Caesars? No. Okay. Product no. placement. I don't, well, I don't want to say it. <laughs> now from our sponsor. <laughs> Little Caesars. <laughs> Please know. All the pizza you want right now. Oh. Is that their slogan? I have no idea. Pizza, pizza. That's pizza, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> all right well there you go oscar all right our next question comes in from scholar of the arts and the question is what are shower demons <laughs> i've heard people reference something called shower demons now i've never heard of that but this person has now when i take a shower while i'm washing my hair i close my eyes so as not to get the shampoo in my eyes as i'm fairly certain it's normal practice while I have my eyes closed to protect me from stingy substance, sometimes various frightening images will appear in my mind's eye, clear as day in the inky void behind my eyelids. Is this what shower demons are? Question mark. And if so, do you guys get them when you take showers as well? Then there is a later on edit. Just so everyone's aware, I don't literally think I'm seeing actual demons. I realize it's probably just my active imagination or something. I just want to see if this is what people mean by the term shower demons and if anyone else has similar experiences. So my first question is, have you guys ever heard of shower demons? Never. Never. Okay. Never, ever. Not, ever, not once, ever. I haven't heard of shower demons, but I also, okay, so I know what um, uh, the user is talking about when they're saying, you know, like, they close their eyes and, like, see images popping up from from the void, right? Like, I guess if you're, like, close to sleep or in a dark room, um, you know, like, shadows can kind of, like, take on different forms. We can, I mean, you can do that when you're looking at clouds and other things, right? There's other instances where your brain is, like creating images um 
out of random patterns. Um, so I wonder if that's like the process that they're talking about as well. Um, I don't know what a shower demon is, but I've for sure had similar experiences where I think that like just um, my brain is making you know, trying to to form images out of nothing. And also there's like a phenomenon where that can happen with sound. So if there's ambient sound in a room, um, some people can actually have like auditory hallucinations in a sense where they're like thinking that they hear a musical tone or like a song um, when there's really just like ambient noise and it's your brain just trying to like make sense of this kind of like amorphous sound. Um, that's just a fun fact that I thought um, was interesting. I got a sidebar here. So speaking of sounds you hear and your brain making up sounds. So when I was younger, I played like a lot of Pokemon when it first came out, Pokemon Red and Blue. And there's like the battle music to Pokemon Red and Blue. Mm-hmm. And I remember like sitting in the shower or standing in the shower and I could hear the Pokemon battle music playing. Is that the same idea? I don't know. Because it's just like it was like burned into my head because I was playing so much Pokemon. I was addicted. I was just an addicted 10-year-old, 7-year-old. Not important. But uh, is that kind of the same idea? Like where your brain makes sounds or is it is I think different? it's like filling in the gaps. I gotcha. Um, so I, I guess shower demons to me is like when you close your eyes and then like in the horror movie trailer, you're closing your eyes, washing your hair, and then there's just a demon arm coming out of the wall <laughs> reaching for you. To me, that's a shower demon. And like when I'm washing my hair, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, is there a demon coming out of the wall? Or in the case where there was an actual demon that, of my cat trying to attack me while I was in the shower. True, true. Was, yeah. What would, but, you, uh, what would you what would what yeah. would you do if you if there was actually a demon coming out of the wall? Like, what would you actually do? I, I, I don't well, know. Well, that's like, that's easy. You just get you just make a salt circle in the oh. shower. You have, you, you have salt <laughs> in your shower. That's good. You keep some salt in you your shower. Be that's true. I mean, you can make a really good salt scrub out of just like regular salt. You don't have to buy you it. Know, if, but, like, if you really um, don't feel salt, you can also get some good old fashioned exercised holy water. There you go. So that's what yeah, that's just... what works for me. Another thing is I can basically bathe in it. I can drink it, and I'm kind of a pure individual as a result. True, true. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I would do. Like, I want to say, I feel like I'd be stunned for a brief second. Then would I punch the demon? Like, you know, maybe that's what I want. What if the demon doesn't have a physical form? You couldn't punch it. Well, do I punch through it because I see it? Do I see the demon? I would Deep assume up. you're seeing it if it's, I mean. All right, so I, I punch the demon. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you can punch it. You can see things, right? I roll a d20, and I get 20. I just want to know what um, Scholar of Arts, um, you know, like, is referencing with shower demons. I just have never heard. Oh, this yeah, is like, like, she, he, they're, I'm sorry, I don't know if it's she, uh, he. Um, yeah. I, referencing shower yeah i've never heard anyone reference shower demons i haven't I, either. somebody I, yeah i, is it I like just you? wonder if like you know showers are one place where you're like alone with very little distractions mm-hmm. and i wonder if it's like inner demons coming out like i wonder if there's a moment of like mm. i don't know you close your eyes you're like not really thinking you're kind of I, I don't know. Some feelings are coming out. I've never heard of this. 
I tend to be like a much more happy in the shower. I think I love a good shower. Yeah. So I like like singing songs or thinking about what I'm going to do for the day or something. So I, I have not had this experience of uh, having my own shower demons. I feel like I'm actually right. very thoughtful in the shower. Well, Scholar of Arts, um, please reach out to us and kind of tell us where you heard about shower demons. Um, but yeah, that, that's what we got there. So next one from A Little Bit of Beer. How do people do well at their jobs? I'm 36 and have never been good at any job I've had, even if I'm there for years. Um, I mean, I got some thoughts on this. Anybody else want to take the first swing? I would like to just say one thing. I think that's called imposter syndrome. Okay. And I bet, like, it's not true that you've never been good at a job. But um, that is all I wanted to say. And, um, yeah, somebody else can jump in. I think the I think um, the need to make I think the need to make money is artificial and it, it doesn't make sense that you know it's it's really it, it it is genuinely difficult to find work or labor that is uh financially fulfilling and uh also you know personally pleasing or whatever you know and like it's hard to find something that checks all the boxes and it genuinely so uh I think once you accept that fact then um you know, it allows you to kind of work through that a little bit better. So, but is that the same as like being good at the job though? Cause like finding like job satisfaction and like, you know, and then also like being in a position that like is, you know, well, I, I suppose stable, I forgot I guess, is, like, to mention that, but I just said, I just think like being good at a job is also something that's difficult to find. Right. So it's right, like right, just right, another yeah. factor in the equation. So it makes mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. that, but, I think to bridge that though, they're kind of related. Like when your job, you feel like it's kind of like there's no fulfillment out of it and you're not like achieving anything, then you're not motivated to like strive at it. So then you don't feel like you're doing good at it. You know, I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah, this is a good question. I don't think that, I think most of the jobs that we do are kind of BS. I I think that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that anybody is really much better at anything unless it's a very technical skill that mm-hmm. like, if you really look at some of the jobs that we have today, like somebody doing it at one job versus another job, like we're all making things up. I think it's a lot of fake it till you make it kind of thing. And mm-hmm. sure. I think the people in the environment you're around will make you feel good or not. I think that also has something to do with it. Like, you might feel like you're not doing your job well, but you could be doing it really well and the people are not affirming what you're doing and making mm-hmm. it feel like you're doing it well. And I think that also has a play into it. Yeah. I, I it's, it's yeah, I agree. It's a very tough question. And I just feel like some jobs it's just hard to be good at because like it, it doesn't feel like there's any achievement out of them. Or like it just feels like the way it's organized is organized against you in a way um, where like you have to spend a lot of time doing things that aren't productive just as like company policy. And then it, I just, I think that that can be stacked against you sometimes if that makes any sense. Um. Yeah. I think jobs in general is just a really interesting thing because we, 
live in a society where we think we have to have a job, you make money, you like grow, you do whatever. I just, I think a lot of times we kind of get on this track of being like, okay, like I'm going to either measure my self-worth based on what I'm doing. I'm going to measure mm -hmm. my status based on this. I'm going to be measuring a lot of things based on how I'm interacting at work. And this is something I've been trying to overcome for a long time of like, that is not okay. actually, that does not actually equate to, am I good or am I bad? I, and that mm -hmm. I think is a really hard thing for us to like overcome because we're so used to doing good and bad. And like the, the stuff in between is really, really it's gray and that's reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess a little bit of beer. I don't think you're bad at every job you've ever had. And I don't think that I bet there's jobs out there you could be good at. I just, I, I mean, I've felt like an imposter at jobs before, for sure. But I don't know. Keep I bet trying he's great and trying at his job. Find where you fit. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's the best at his job, but he, yeah, underestimates. Yeah, I mean, I guess how do we measure what's good? I just don't know. Like, it's very artificial. Right. I, I've sat in like performance teams, like where we're, you're evaluating all employees of the company. And those things are arbitrary. Mm. They're biased. They're they're <laughs> bullshit. I mean, they're, you're sure. ranking people. You could have people that are just as good as each other. And based on how somebody interacted with you on a Tuesday afternoon, you could be lower or higher. Right. So, like, well, how do we mm -hmm. measure being good at a job? That I don't know. Know the right people. You know the right people. That's what it is. Yeah, but that that make the right people but like that you. is that is so broad though and that is so you know arbitrary and unsatisfying of an answer i know it's because it's just like that's mm -hmm. so, there's so much I, someone had mentioned it earlier but it's like there's so much you know knowledge that you just you know um there's just so much there's so many different types of knowledges that are necessary to go out in the world and do do things uh and like you know mm -hmm. i think it was Lori who was saying that uh, you know, people don't, there's like so many things that are important that are not really taught at any level or anything. And I think that if the problem is that partly is that if they become taught, then they become institutionalized and they become kind of archaic and outdated. And it's just the, you know, you're never going to be able to take that like social interaction and like the way that like jobs have worked for centuries and just transform it, you know, like it really, really easily or really simply. It's just uh, like a, a contingent mm -hmm. outcome of like all these different processes, like leading up to this point in time. Yeah. And like, what about, okay, so like taking the other stance, like what if it was true that um, the user like was not good at any job? Like, is that necessarily like we're making an assumption that that's a bad thing and maybe the post is written the question is written as like it's necessarily a bad thing but like what does that actually mean i don't think that it is necessarily bad because um if we are conceding that a lot of jobs are just a bunch of bs like not being good at a bs job is like what is that actually what, what's the value of being good at something right. like that um it doesn't as laurie said it doesn't necessarily make you a good person or a bad person 
And like your value as a person is not tied to your output in a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that's a very difficult thing to um, separate in American culture is that like our productivity is conflated with our value as people. And so, um, you know, like one of the I guess the first thing I started saying was like, you know, like that's. This reminds me of imposter syndrome, but like the other side of that is like, it's also okay to not be good at a job because like that doesn't necessarily need to be that the thing that gives you fulfillment in life or the thing that makes you um, have value as a person because you have value like inherently without that. So that's another way to think of it, I guess. Um, Yeah, that's coming to like a bit of. I think also like. We do have different types of talents. Like you wouldn't want me, mm-hmm. uh, I, you wouldn't want me as a person that's crunching numbers all day. You do not want me as your accountant. Mm-hmm. It's not a skill that I have honed. It's not a skill that I'm just comes natural to me. Um, I wouldn't be good at that job, but there's other jobs that I might be good at too. So I think there's also when you find jobs that you're not so good at, I think there's a lot of power in that because you know, okay. That's kind of a non-negotiable for me. I'm not going to go into spreadsheet counting all day. Like, I know that's not my path. Um, So there's a lot of power in learning about yourself and in the self-awareness of finding, like, you know, I'm not really good at this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can fuck with some spreadsheets. (laughs) You can have them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, a little bit of beer. Uh, I hope you're jobs go better in the future and let us know in the future if you change and you find something that uh suits you and you feel that you're good at uh next one comes in from daily shay i think i'm saying that right Mm -hmm. um what are some good movies to watch during a movie date (laughs) okay so i have a story to tell about this do you know a story i'm gonna tell oh yes this is about me i was here for this but i was was Uh, unaware at the time (laughs) okay Wait, so let's finish the question. The question, oh, I'll sorry. Re- yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. He usually lets me choose, but I'm super indecisive because I'm afraid of choosing some too boring, too sad, etc. I'm open to any genre, really, as long as it's entertaining, except horror. And yes, we actually watch the movie, lol. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think about this before. <laughs> I actually picked this question out, and um, I did not. But now I know exactly what story Jessica is about to tell. (laughs) And I was unaware of it at the time. (laughs) So when I first started to date Colton, he was like, let me show you one of my favorite movies. And so for me, I tend to, I'll just preface this by saying, like, I tend to, like, maybe overthink things. And I'm like, what's the hidden meaning? And so he shows me, he's like, yeah, I really like this movie. It's 50 or 500 Days of Summer, right? Is that the name? Yeah. Anyways, it's a classic, like... Um, manic pixie dream girl role of it was like uh, who, Joseph Gordon Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, yeah, she's like quintessential like manic pixie dream girl in this movie. Anyways, so in the movie, um, if you have anybody has seen this, um, you know she's kind of flaky and like she's it's just like not a good relationship. It's just like kind of like is a train wreck for um, Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt's yeah, um, character. Anyway, so I'm watching this movie and I'm like. Why is he showing me this movie about a train wreck of a relationship? Like, does he think I'm a flake like this? Like, what's he trying to say about, like, what's going on? Like, why? And also, why is this one of his favorite movies? So, like, I just kind of was like, hmm, what's the hidden meaning in here? So, like, maybe you don't have to overthink it like that. But, like, don't pick that movie. Well, 
I, okay, so I, why I thought it was a good movie, at least let me defend myself a little <laughs> bit here. I, I love the way it like shows a relationship at the beginning as this beautiful thing. There's like this image of Zoe Deschanel in a bed and Joseph Gordon-Levitt saying all nice things about her. And then they do that same cut later in the movie, literally the exact same video of Zoe Deschanel. And he says all these mean things about her. Okay, it's so the exact it's a, same yeah. video. Then there's my other part that I want to talk about, the cinematography, I guess, is where it goes a scene where he's going to a dinner party after they've like broken up, I think. And um, there it, it splits into two screens, and one is like how he thinks it's gonna go, and the other is the actual. It's kind of like a meme in action before they were a big thing, and um, it obviously the way he thinks it's gonna go is beautiful. He talks to Zoe Deschanel, and everything's wonderful, and they're gonna you know get together again. And then the actual is nothing like that at all, and it's mm. terrible. But yeah, anyways, um, objectively a good. I think it is a good movie, but like I guess. So maybe that wasn't a good pick for like a beginning of the relationship thing. So sure. maybe um, the advice that I would give is <laughs> it depends on where you are in your relationship. It depends on the, each other's taste. And like um, I had something else. Um, but yeah, like if you're just you might want to have a theme too. So like if you're just trying to pick out like good well, like movies Nicolas to watch. Cage movies? Oh yeah, like the top ten no, Nicolas Cage movies. That's, that was like... a joke. You're not that's don't <laughs> and why they're not national treasure. No. Um but <laughs> you could you could try that. But like anyways, long story short, me and Colton got married, so it's fine. Um didn't make much of a difference. But it is something that I thought about. I was just like what is he saying with this? I didn't movie think choice? about it at all. I was just like, This is a good movie. We should watch it. And it was. Lori, Friends. do you have any recommendations for <laughs> date movies? Honestly, I do. I do not. I'm like trying to think. <laughs> I, I'm like. I mean, guess it depends on the person too. Like, yeah, like yeah. you know. Do you, I guess I th- there's two ways to go, right? Either you're gonna you're watching rom coms. Or you're not watching rom-coms. Those are the two categories. Like, if you're not watching rom-coms, then... Okay, if you're watching so, rom-coms, anything with Ryan Reynolds. Um, all right? The Oscars would have been a lot easier if it was just rom-coms versus not rom-coms. Is there a rom-com category? I don't think no, so. I wish there was. That'd There's be awesome. There's a comedy category, which a rom-com Dude, would come into, I believe. How many Oscars would Julia Roberts have from that category? You guys ever seen Mystic Pizza? What oh, yeah, no, I just I recently not. watched that, actually. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends on the person, and I think it also depends on, like, why you pick it. And I think yeah. if you're picking this with a person that was, is your significant other or you're going on a date, like, maybe this is an opportunity to explain why and communicate things. Like, maybe yeah. Jessica, <laughs> you and Colton should have talked about <laughs> Oh, I'm just picking this because it's one of my favorite movies. Not like oh, oh, because of whatever you know. I and maybe yeah, I was that. young. No, we, we actually did talk about it. I like brought it up like sometime after that. I was like, "What? What were you trying to say?" And he was like, "Oh, no, no, that that wasn't it at all." I was like, "Oh, classic." Oh, that was thinking. years later, mind you. I feel like <laughs> there is like, like that. yeah. I feel like you did not bring it up. Me, this was oh. like years later. You're like, mm-hmm. remember when you showed me this movie? And I was like, what? <laughs> I do think, though, like, that is, like, you should have an open, trusting conversation around, like, wow, that movie was shit. Or, like, that movie was amazing. (laughs) And, like, be able to share your truest opinions on that movie. So it doesn't really matter what you're watching as long as you're able to, like, talk about it and, like, 
Yeah. I don't know, dissect yeah. it. But I might be saying that and Josh is like rolling his eyes because we're also married and we've watched a lot of movies together. Josh has a rule, though. What's the rule? Josh has a rule whenever I start a movie yeah, that he can leave the room at any point. So wow. if he doesn't like the movie, he'll just get up and go. <laughs> I don't know. Josh, do you want to share? Um, I think the best movie to watch uh, during a movie date is the <laughs> movie that's playing at the local theater. <laughs> that's my final word on that. Good. <laughs> yeah i i i feel like i want to give a good movie recommendation um baby driver oh that was pretty good yeah that would be a good one sort of like if you, if, that's not too rom-commy but like i'm I'm feeling like not quite rom-com oh groundhog day well i guess this groundhog is a good day. question then. Yeah, you know, that's a good one. Oh, go for it Lori. oh no go ahead uh actually another really good one that's very that's really slept on is baby's day out What's that? Baby's Day Out is a great movie. You guys remember that movie about the baby that had the three dads? What? It was like is this like a nineties? This is like a nineties movie. What's that that movie called? It's like Baby's Day Out. It's like it's like three dads and a baby or something. Yeah, we watched it on a date. Okay, right, but like hold on. So three dads and a baby. It's all about Tom Selleck. You're not not being for real. This is, this real. is real. This is Three real. Men and a Baby is a listen to this. It's a 1987 American comedy film directed by Leonard Nimoy. Also, also you, Spock. Oh, okay, it stars is, uh, Tom Selleck, Steve Guttenberg, and Ted Danson as three bachelors as they attempt to adapt oh, their lives wow. to de facto fatherhood <laughs> with the arrival of the love child of one of their of one of the gentlemen. And so it's mm. you know this is like Jerry Springer, but it's like a really fun like light movie and it's cute and it has this cute mm-hmm. baby in it. And then they made a movie after that, which I believe was like, you are not set the, in the same universe, <laughs> oh which is baby's gosh. day out. And it's basically this little baby. This I think I believe it's Tom Selleck's baby. <laughs> gets, <laughs> gets, uh, gets out and ends up basically crawling all over the entire city and ends up on like construction cranes <laughs> and like everything. I want to see this. It's so, it's, 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 it's Wait, bad, but, but it's like good, bad. I so gotcha. did this just change from a movie you think is worth watching versus no? A this movie? is no, Josh. Movie? Like, so Josh I, definitely I re- had us watch it on a date. It was like one of the first <laughs> movies we watched. I was like, this movie slept on. Like, you gotta watch this movie. It's actually pretty good. But like, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good because it's it's like bad, but it's like a good bad. Sorry said that already yeah yeah so like there's you're kind of like describing sort of like a like a a a category of like films right so like older kind of like light-hearted films that like maybe aren't like critically acclaimed but like entertaining so like kind of keeping it light kind of like adding keeping it happy uh super bad super bad i I have a question for the group is it is it a you watch this movie repeatedly like you've seen this movie before or like for me a good movie on a date is when you both haven't seen it and so when you bring in a movie that you really have a lot of attachment to into the date and your date doesn't like it they overanalyze it those types of things then (laughs) you get in a pickle but when you're both haven't seen it then you're on an equal playing field 
And until you get a little bit right. more into your relationship, then you can like watch the movies that you watch repeatedly, you know? But right. that I think right. is really yeah. important is like finding new movies that you both haven't seen. Um, and so a lot of them in theaters, like what's coming out on the next uh, streaming service. I think those are good date night ones. I think that you're totally right. Yeah, because then, then like the scenario that like you were like bringing kind of like a loaded um, movie choice into like a, a relationship um, can cause like, you know, some tension or whatever. It's sort of like in the similar way of like if you find out somebody's like favorite band is like the worst music you've ever heard, um, you know, like you can be judgmental about that. So like it's just like I, I think that like it's kind of along the lines of like, where's your level of intimacy mm -hmm. and like your stage in the relationship. And like, just like you said, Lori, like new movies to everybody. That's a good place to start. Yeah. I think it's a lot of that's pressure. True. Otherwise I agree. And and everybody comes to the table with different interests and in movies they've already seen. So it's tough. Cause it's like, you might you know you might. Yeah. Just like the story that you described, uh, Jessica, wherein, Colton had you watch this, watch, uh, this movie, but uh, it just didn't really, it struck you as kind of weird. Like you didn't quite get why. And it's because I can see how it's like a very, he, and the way Colton explained it, like he likes the movie for such specific yeah, reasons, yeah. you know, that it's like so specific to his taste that you kind of have to understand him to really mm -hmm. like the movie in that yeah. way. And it's, and it's, that's, it's, that's, that's a different movie experience too than just watching a movie on your own and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I guess think about the movie that you're going to show and think about, yeah, because. But I will, I, I mean, I still will say, like, Baby's Day Out is a great <laughs> movie. <laughs> like, it's, it's, and it's just because it's so light. Like, you got, I would say, like, a, you got, if you're going to go with, like, if you don't, if, you, if there's nothing playing at your local theater or there is no local theater, then you should go, then, you know, I would recommend Baby's Day Out, um, if you can't get Baby's Day Out, I would say a good backup would probably be something like a Battery's Not Included. Oh, that's, that's such a great like, 80s movie. That's oh, like the late watch 80s, that. isn't it? Or like 90s. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so like 80s, 90s movies. Have you ever, have you guys ever seen Labyrinth or like the old, like Jim Henson yes. movies? Like, I feel like those are just like really oh, like yeah. fun, timeless, oh, yeah. joyous movies. I don't remember many of the movies I've watched. Lori, I don't think you've given us a single movie, Lori. I haven't. It's, it's okay. But you know why? Because I <laughs> I don't I don't tend to rewatch a lot of movies. Oh, me either, but what about the good ones? You don't remember? I'm just trying to even remember. I, I'd I don't like even... to add Interstellar it's, to my list. Oh yeah, Interstellar. Great one. Yeah. Great movie. No, I mean for a for a first date. Wait, yeah, it's the first date? Oh, it was a, sorry, it was a Wait, is this the first date? I don't uh, think it is. Okay, so no, okay, no, they watched, for... they've watched movies together before. Yeah. It's just a yeah, movie yeah. date. Oh, okay, I think okay, Interstellar right. is a great game. movie. Inception, if you haven't seen that. Cried like a baby. I think, I, I think, I don't know. Miss Congeniality, I'll give you that I, one. I do not recommend Interstellar for people to watch on a date. I, I would not agree right, with that. It, okay. All right, well, agree to disagree, because I, I recommend I, Interstellar. Yeah, I'm going to, okay, you need a movie from me. I'm saying Miss Congeniality. Always a I'm going to downvote that. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely don't know what I would say. I like a lot of TV shows. Maybe Josh would tell what about, you what I would wait, have. Mystic Pizza. Mystic Pizza is kind of weird. All right, yeah, <laughs> don't watch Mystic Pizza. Movie. Don't watch that. That one. is not a, not good, a good date, date movie. movie. I can tell you what aren't good date movies. Okay. 
<laughs> that one is not good. All right, I take that back. All right. How? I mean, what about? Is there? What about? Um, what was that other one? So, Colton, you said you were talking about Five Hundred Days of Summer. What about Fifty First Dates? That's I don't think I've one. ever seen it. I don't think I've ever seen it either. It's Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. It's, I have definitely it's a seen great. We tell you, they are a magnetic combo <laughs> together. So. <laughs> The oh. Sandman getting in there—it really is, it really is something that everybody, I think, at the time wanted to see, and we were definitely not disappointed. All right, then. Well, okay, I have I have movies now. Okay, any Pixar movie I could get down with. For a, Toy Story for a, would be good. Okay, yeah, for a date, no. Coco, awesome. Luca, love. Any kind of Pixar movie—they pull on all your heartstrings and also make you laugh. I think, I think those are good good movies maybe i'm just together. like a cynical asshole but if like a uh, if like <laughs> i was watching a pixar movie on a date i'd be like again maybe okay maybe i'm just not the right person to answer this question because mm. like no movie is going to be the right movie You're for me. <laughs> yeah yeah well i'd be uh, like mm. daily shay i we've given you some movies at least please let us know if you watched any of them or what movie you chose let us know if you watch Baby's Day Out. That's really nice. Uh, yeah, I, actually, I'm going to watch that one. So, Daily Shay, I want you to watch Baby's Day Out with your significant other that you're watching movies with. Okay, but, like, I think we did settle on some guidelines, so yeah. new movies new movies to are both good. people. Yeah, and yep. then if you, like, have, a like, a, a movie you want to share, like, as a, yeah. a, like, something that's, like, an, like, something you love that is, like, an intimate... Yeah, be careful with that. I mean, like, yeah, just, like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on Groundhog Day as my best... My best uh, recommendation. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, a good it's, one. It's cute. That's good. Classic. Okay. All right. From Jiang Cool Nine. Uh, people that live alone. Do you close your bathroom door? I'm going to expand this to all people. Do you close your bathroom door? Um, it, for me, if I'm peeing at home and like I don't have guests over, I'm not closing the bathroom door ever. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, also our cat. So we have cats. No, you can't. So close if you the close door. a door in our house, like the cat just like can't. It's not allowed. So like she'll she'll scratch at the door like incessantly. No. So like there's no doors closed yeah. allowed. She like, doesn't want to come in. She just wants the door. To yeah, be open. the door can't be open. She'll just like you'll open the door after she scratches on it, and she'll just like sit there and or walk away. As long as it's open, everything's cool. But no doors should be closed. Ever. I, I feel, feel like, like I I uh I feel like I close the bathroom door a lot and I feel like it I think that if you want to close the bathroom door, it's fine and I don't really know why anybody was getting all upset about people closing the bathroom <laughs> Wait, door. I don't think anyone was getting upset. <laughs> no, the only one that's upset well, about closed doors is my cat. Hmm. Well, I think I think that it's fine to close the bathroom door even when you live mm -hmm. alone, especially when you live alone. But would you do it or not? Yeah, I feel like when I lived alone, I didn't close it at all. Me, it's it's probably a fifty fifty ratio for me. I you know sometimes Depends I on do, how sometimes you're feeling. I don't. Yeah, you know. I do not shut the bathroom door, <laughs> and after being in COVID lockdown. When I'd go to people's houses, I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to shut the door. <laughs> I had to, like, relearn that. Yeah. It, it just takes so much effort. Again, I think I'm just lazy. That's all I'm learning about myself in this whole process. 
I appreciate that. It's like strategic laziness, though, so it's good. I don't. I mean, I haven't really lived by myself. Oh lot. yeah. Mm. So, but I'm pretty sure if I keep the door open with other people, I feel like I would keep the door open with myself. I, I will point out on Reddit, there is quite a bit of posts of people talking about how their cats wouldn't allow such a thing. Oh, really? That's so interesting. Yeah. I, I'm the looking at, there's actually a lot of responses to this one. That's cool. All right. Our next question comes in from John Hampton 52. And the question is, who is Master Chief and why is he so strong? And Lori, I, I wanted to direct this question to you first. Um, do you know who Master Chief is or no why idea. he's so strong? I feel like you're talking about Master Chef, which is a great show, <laughs> but I have no idea who Master Chief is. And I don't, you have, you I don't, don't know who Master Chief is at all? No. Why would I know who that is? Am I supposed to know who that is? No, probably not. Uh, Josh, would you like to? I think that uh, Master Chief is the guy that you fight with in Halo. Okay. And he's so strong because it's a video game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Jessica? Well, Master Chief is the best Marine the universe has ever seen. He's so strong because he is the best Marine <laughs> in the whole galaxy. <laughs> he has a very shiny helmet, which is essentially just like uh, the pair of sunglasses that like Guy Fieri wears, but like in a helmet form. And he has... um like shiny armor, that's really helpful. Also, doesn't he have like Cortana? But yes, he does Cortana, have Cortana. Cortana is Cortana even helpful though? Yeah. Probably oh, yes. not. No, even, no. Probably not there either. No, um, Cortana is super helpful to Master Chief. Yes, I don't believe it. Okay, well, um, anyways, but he is for sure the best, the best Marine that the universe has ever seen, and that's that's. The only right, thing so I know about him. I, I'm sure Reddit answered this question. I didn't look extensively at their answers, but Master Chief is you're correct. He is he is the best Spartan. And he is from oh, wait, Halo. What? I said Marine, not Marine. Spartan. Oh well, okay. So he's for a part of the UNSC, uh, which is uh, they're like space marines basically. Uh, uh, yeah. Um anyways. So he's from Halo. Originally released in 2001, I want to say, on the Xbox. It was the killer app for the Xbox when it first came out and really helped put the Xbox on the map. And um, then proceeded into multiple other Halo games. And Master Chief kind of became the mascot for Microsoft's Xbox. And I would say was very much responsible for the success of the Xbox and somewhat the Xbox 360. Um, and why is he so strong? Because uh, he's genetically modified. Um, and it, it, there's a new show on, uh, Paramount with, uh, that that's Halo. And it, I think it goes a little bit into that. There's only two episodes out, but it cuts back to his childhood. So he, his, he's John one, one seven, I think it is. And he was like taken as a child and they genetically modify him to become like a super soldier. And that's kind of what all the Spartans are. There's other Spartans. It's not just master chief is master chief. Just one guy. Forever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Master. He's Ch not just like repeated so, Johns, like uh, John two hundred and seventeen. No, no, they're thousand. not clones. Uh, um. So uh, to be, but Master Chief is so. I guess with Halo, like they wanted to name him something that was an actual position in the some form of the military. I don't know which one, but I think it was 
Marines? Anyways. Marine, Marine Corps, right? They're like space Marines, right? Well, they are, but but no, Master Chief is an actual rank in the military. Oh, and, right, right, right. And Master Chief is the highest rank that also goes to the battlefield. So that's how they na- that's how they came up with Master Chief. Uh, it's the, hi- the highest rank that still goes to the battlefield, and it's Master Chief. And that's where that name comes from. But, um, I mean, I like Halo, and I like Master Chief, but that's why he's strong. And he's also cool. What a guy. Is he also a non-player character? No, no. You, Master Chief is pretty much who you play in most of the Halo games. Okay. All I can uh, say is it's Gordon Ramsay, final answer, and he's strong because he has a really good knife set. That's Master Chef. Oh, Master Chef. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it always? I is, should know is this. Gordon Ramsay is Gordon Ramsay the Master Chef. Gordon Wait, Ramsay. We're not talking about Gordon Ramsay. Oh, uh, stars in a show called Master Chef, and they mm. find the Master Chef out of that season. But I see. Y'all are talking about Master Chief, and I don't know anything about them. Yeah, John Hampton, fifty-two. You should play some Halo. It's a fun game, but I'm sure you've already figured out who Master Chief is. Uh, next question from hunting for Dom female. Does anyone else eat KFC? Regret it every time. Forget. Eat it again and repeat. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm not specifically talking about KFC here, but I mean, who doesn't have things they they do or restaurant or like foods they eat, regret, forget, eat again and repeat. I mean, do you guys have any common ones here that uh, plague you? Yeah, I mean, basically any fried chicken. So K- KFC would apply for you. What about Taco Bell? Oh yes. Uh, yeah, but basically, fat like fast food, fried chicken, and okay. I definitely do just eat it. But I guess I don't regret it as much. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I, there, we, there's an element of joy that it brings me. So little regret. I agree. But my physical regret, yes. Mental regret, not as much. Yeah, because we ate Chick-fil-A today, and it was amazing, and I have no regrets at all. It was the best chicken sandwich ever. Um, Not the best. It was good for a fast food chicken sandwich. Extremely satisfying. satisfying. (laughs) I would categorize that as one of the best, but anyways. Yeah, it's good. But KFC, I can't um, remember the last time I ate at KFC. I think the best thing that they have is corn and mashed potatoes. Mixed together. What is that called? Yeah, probably. A um, corn and mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> Those like bowls. Oh, good maybe? to know. Cool. <laughs> AFC um, is something that I didn't really eat a lot when I was growing up. And mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. every now and again, I'll be like, oh, I wonder how KFC is. And every time I do buy it, I'm like, it's really not as good as you would think. So maybe that's the regret. Oh. Also, yeah. they have like a lot of coleslaw, and it's just an abomination. Like, it's the worst coleslaw you can ever imagine I mean, getting, I, I, and it's just like, okay, well, please we're, no. we're trashing KFC. We here. are. The question was really was more like, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of things do you do regret, forget, and then do? I again? mean, no, but he's spe- well, they p- specifically say KFC, KFC. But I don't. I mean, yeah, but that's because uh, hunting for Dom female enjoys KFC, and that's fine. But I guess for me, there's other things, but not KFC. Colton, does it mean like after they, does it say, I can't remember in the question, like after you eat it, like 
Does he actually eat it, or does he oh, feel regret when he gets does, it? For okay, you? I'll, I'll repeat it for you. Does anyone else eat KFC, regret it every time, forget, eat it again, and repeat? Yeah, I definitely have lots of restaurants that I do that too. Little Caesars, I love Little Caesars, but what? sometimes <laughs> I will regret it, and then I'll get it again. I do love Little Caesars. Yeah. We're going back into the Little Caesars, but trying to think of what pizza, I pizza. eat a lot. The worst, I think, is if this happens and you forgot that it was disappointing. So if it's like not KFC, but it's like a like a, a restaurant that's supposed to be like good and like you go there again, and you're like, oh, wait, this was a huge disappointment. Mm-hmm. That's always super sad. 100% for me, it's White Castle. Like, that's the one. Like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, White Castle. And then <laughs> I, I think was you like, ironically oh, say that, oh. though. I do, but in secretly, I, I mean, want we it had White Castle after Thanksgiving one time, and it was amazing. It was. That was pretty good. It's always so. amazing. We should go right now. <laughs> yeah, we got to cut this short. <laughs> they're probably open. We got to go, guys. Uh, go I'm, down for, I'm down for White Castle. <laughs> It's a disappointment every time, though, because we have to wait like 50 minutes in line for a. Yeah, our White Castle's slow. Uh, Shout us out. Is your White Castle slow? (laughs) I'm just curious because, like, there's not a lot of them where we are in the Midwest. And, like, the only one I've ever been to is slow all the time. Like, are other White Castles fast? Can you, like, get through a White Castle in, like, 15 minutes? Yeah, we've had to wait so long. Also, but, they have like little waffle sliders. Oh, that's the best. They're breakfast. I know. Like, how could sandwich? you? How could you regret that? Yeah, that was the best anyways. thing I've had from my castle's breakfast sandwiches. Okay. Anyways, KFC doesn't have that. So uh, yeah, no I I guess I I wasn't here to, you know, I'm sorry, KFC. I didn't mean to take that out on you. Um, I, yeah, but definitely, I have foods or restaurants where I eat them, and then I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that, but then I do it again. And it's, but it's, it's good at the time, right? I mean, that's what it is. It's like enjoyable at the time. Sometimes it's just a disappointment. You're just sad while you're eating your fried chicken. (laughs) (laughs) If it's bad fried chicken, yeah. Cause like, yeah. That's, that is a disappointment. Yeah. I mean, bad fried chicken would be a real disappointment because it's like fried and terrible for you and you're like, oh, this doesn't even taste good. I know. You know, one other restaurant I think I've had this happen to me is Mm -hmm. Chipotle. I have like I get really excited about Chipotle and I don't know Uh if it's just recently, but I feel like a couple times I've gotten really salty Chipotle and then I kind of forget about it. I'm like, oh, no, that that was just a one off. And then I get it again. I'm like, no, this is really freaking salty. And is this all the same Chipotle? No, Lori's right. That happens to me, too. And we live in different cities. So, it, But does that happen at the same Chipotle that you go to, Lori? Is um, this like the same Chipotle you're going to each time this happens? I think it's always the same. No. I think it's it's pretty okay. consistent. I think it's like I put a picture of it in my head and I remember it differently mm-hmm. than when I actually eat it. And there is an element of like, not as good as I remember it. It's gotcha. not to say it's bad. So, it's just it's not as good as I remember it. Every time. What I've found with the burrito places in general is like it's highly dependent upon which specific one you're at. Like there's like certain Chipotle's that seem to be really good and other ones not as good. Like so with the in the, the other burrito restaurants, too, it's like if you find one that's good because like there's one near me that's like not good. And but there's another one further away of the same one. And that one's good. Maybe I need to shop around. Maybe. 
Who uh, has time for that? True. I don't have time for salty ass rice. Well, I guess the whole point of the thing of going to franchise is you're expecting like the same thing everywhere you go. That's kind of how they sell themselves. So I guess you're right. Like who has time consistent. for that? Because that's the whole point of them. Yeah. No, you're right. It should be. But there are a lot of those places where I like in my head, I just like have a better mm-hmm. picture of it than reality. Sure. Sure. Can't think of other ones. <laughs> I'm just imagining you like. Or maybe I'm imagining me like eating a piece of sad fried chicken and just like a single <laughs> sad <tier>. fried chicken, <laughs> like just the most disappointing fried chicken of yeah, your whole life. Yeah, leftover chicken that you put in the microwave because br- you didn't have time yeah. to put it in the oven. Yeah, it brings a tear to your eye, <laughs> you know, because it's such a disappointment. <laughs> All right, well, so hunting for f- Dom female, we agree with you, just not on KFC. Um. All right, and our next question. So uh, sometimes on Reddit, a question will get no responses. So this next question has no responses as of the time that we're recording this. And today, we're going to take it on ourselves to answer this one. Be the first response here. Um, This one was submitted by Throwaway2817291. And the question is, how long should one wait before moving on after someone they've been... seeing stop texting back what amount of time constitutes ghosting so the main question here that i want to get at the the core of is what amount of time constitutes as ghosting um and now we don't really have a lot of context but um yeah what what do you how long before it's ghosting i'm gonna say like a week okay that's not a bad estimate i mean yeah yeah, I guess if somebody hasn't texted you back in a week, it's hard because, like, how long have you been seeing them, right? Like that. If it's, like, a new, new thing yeah. and it's been, like, a week, yeah. I think that it's, like, safe to say that it's, like... Right. I mean, people get busy. So, like, the reason I say at least a week, because, mm-hmm. like, over a couple of days, like, you can be busy, right? Yeah. And you don't need to, like, sure. hear from a person, like, every single day. Sure. But, like, if it's been, like, a week or more, like, I think that that is... um a clear sign that they're probably just not into you that much. So like, I would say that would be the cutoff for me. Mm -hmm. Um, What if they respond like three weeks from now after I would assume that they got ghosted by somebody else. And we're like, kind of like, you know, (laughs) they're coming back, you know, (laughs) ghosted by the ghoster. And then the, (laughs) that's a, like like, it didn't work out. (laughs) So, if they if they came back a month later, They're, you're not option number yeah, one. Yeah. You probably don't need that anyways. Yeah, that's, that's it's just common like courtesy, anyways. Right. I'm a pretty bad texter. Like, yeah. I like if somebody texts me, I might wait two weeks and then respond to your question. However, that's like friends. Um. So yeah. if, I'm assuming they're talking about ghosting in the real like in a term of relationships, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for sure. so yeah. I think that if they haven't really texted you back in a pretty regular <laughs> cadence of like pretty quickly mm-hmm. after, then they're not interested unless something's really going down. And that I think like something happens, they have one excuse, but you only get one excuse. I don't think mm-hmm. you get multiple excuses. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Like if something like uh, catastrophic happen to them, and you hear in a couple weeks, and like then maybe. But maybe I, it doesn't have to be like the most catastrophic right, thing like, that you can imagine. Some reason like, that, you know. yeah. I I guess I think you're completely right. Like, and it's ve- sometimes it's hard to like 
sometimes it's hard to take that. Like if it's somebody you're really interested in, I think it's very hard to take that at getting ghosted and you're like, you're, you're kind of holding on to that hope. And I get that, but I would agree. Like if it's been like, I don't, I don't know. Sure. Say a week, but like if they're just not responding to you, then it's, yeah, it's probably, probably not going to work. A week kind of feels long to me. It sucks. I feel like they haven't really responded in a couple days. That means to me that they don't even feel comfortable telling me what's going on of why they can't right. really chat much or things like that. But I, I bet I could see right. Jessica being like, okay, a week it's officially ghosting. Like I could yeah. see yeah, being like the like, point of no right, return. Hey, we're not, we're not yeah. coming back from this kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're exactly. at a week, it's probably like, yeah, yeah. for sure. That and like sense. a couple of days you might be like, Hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, there's not going to be, like, one set answer necessarily for everybody. I think that, um, I think that you should, I think that you should uh, take as much time as you need or don't need in order to move on. And I think, you know, I think that's also, like, the, that's part of the question there, too. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, how oh, much, yeah, how, you know? The first part, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yep. I and think, maybe... I, yeah. I mean, I would, ahead, sorry, I would Josh. just echo what you guys said. I also think that, like, a week is probably like fair, at least to send a text to say like, you know, Hey, what's up or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it, I guess if you look at the first part, how long should one wait before moving on? Like, right. That's kind I of mean, a little what, different. I, yeah. And like, I guess that really like, I wish we knew how long they had been seeing each other or gave us some more context to their relationship. Because if it's somebody you like have been on like one, two dates with, and they've not talked to you for a week, I mean, that's probably okay at that point. But like, Move have you on, been seeing yeah. this person for months? Then I, that's, that's, I yeah. mean, that's a little more hurtful, I guess, but yeah. like, I don't know what, ah, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I'd be really curious to know the further extent of the situation. That's super interesting, Colton, because like it's, you're basically saying based on the amount of time I'm with the person equals a different amount of time of what ghosting equals. That, like, so if I, if I am like just, I feel like if I was just mm-hmm. starting to talk to somebody and like we have some good rapport and then they didn't really respond to me, I feel like I would give up a lot faster than if it was somebody that I had been with for a while. I would, for sure. I would not let go as fast. So I feel like mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. kind of an interesting way of looking at time in relative to what ghosting really means. Well, and I also think if you had been like seeing that person for like, you know, say a few months, like it's a totally different feeling Then you're like, wait, why did this, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if it's somebody you went on like two dates with, then, you know, you could see, but like when they just, uh, yeah, I, ghosting, uh, ghosting, that's. And it depends on if you guys watched a bad movie together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you, like, did you yeah. show somebody out 500 days of summer and they <laughs> took the hint? We can't recommend 500 days of summer. <laughs> well, we can re- watch it. In your developed relationship or by yourself. Yeah. Fair enough. So I guess, really, I think the final thing is throw away 2817291. If you haven't deleted this throwaway account yet and you receive my message, would you please kind of tell us the situation? Like, we're we're interested and we could give some more advice, but we need some more details. Like, without and then without those details i'm going to stick with mine you know like the point of no return is one week yeah 
I'm not going to disagree with that. I think that's pretty legit. Yeah. The point of no return. All right, then. Well, that's all for our questions today. Um, Send us your thoughts or questions to our email, uh, nostupidanswerspodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, we'll see you next time. Bye, all.